What's up, everybody? Welcome to Fit Over 40. My guest in studio today is none other than Gabby Hawk. She's a clinical hypnotherapist. And I was curious about this topic. I think you will be, too. We're going to take a little dive into what she does and how it can affect you. It might be something you're interested in. Let's take a listen. If you're over 40 and want to be the best version of yourself, Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence is here to help. Clarence Ferguson is a seasoned loan officer, fitness expert, personal chef, and entrepreneur who leads a revolution of men and women who want to live their best life going into middle age. Inspiring dialogue, challenging topics, and industry leaders are here offering tips and how-tos to improve your life. Now, here's Coach Clarence. What's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome to Fit Over 40. I'm your host, Coach Clarence. And in the studio, I have Gabby Hawk. She is a mind-body energy healer. She is a um, certified clinical hypnotherapist. She's a Reiki master. Reiki master. I always say that wrong. She's a teacher. She's a polarity therapist. Craniosacral. I can't even read this. It's so the font, list so is so small. long. Don't you yeah. can tell everybody who you are because <laughs> apparently I can't read. New Year resolution and get some glasses <laughs> that I wear all the time. <laughs> I actually have some. I just I'm protesting. Well, you know, glasses are a pain in the butt. So yeah. what are you gonna do? All right. Yeah. So um, we talked a little bit at the Christmas party, but tell everybody a little bit more about what you do. I gave some loose titles, and we never know if people know what these titles mean. Nobody ever knows what any of that means. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything I do that maybe hypnotherapy. People might have some idea, but everything I else I do is like weird. Yeah, background. So I know some of these terms, but you know, the average person like, um, <clears throat> um, what what kind of transitions? Because you do a lot of mind body therapy. You obviously started when you learn massage; it's more physical. Right. What made you change to some of the more mental parts of that? So I'm um. Not an oddity, but not everybody in my industry starts with massage, and I'm one of the people that did not start there. Mm -hmm. So all of my body work comes out of a polarity and cranial sacral side. So mm -hmm. you still have to take anatomy and physiology and those things like a massage therapist would, but I don't do—I've never done that kind of work. Gotcha. So for me, it actually started more with the mental side of things. So I went to school initially to become a clinical hypnotherapist, which is, you know, all from the neck up, basically. Yeah. I mean, not really. The body and the mind are deeply connected. So the things you do like that actually can affect the whole body for sure. Mm -hmm. But then I wanted to challenge myself a little bit. I've never been a very touchy person necessarily, interestingly enough. Yeah, and you went into that field. <laughs> and it, Well, it was kind of, it was kind of this, I wanted to do something different. And so... I made a choice between a couple of different subspecialties, and I picked polarity therapy because I'd had a polarity session, and it was phenomenal. It just made this incredible effect on all of me. I felt better than I had felt in a long time, and I felt that way for a while. And I'd been a Reiki master at that point by probably eight for eight years or something, and this was something more. So talk about uh, what polarity is for those at home that aren't familiar with that. Cool, cool. Polarity is kind of amalgam of a bunch of other things that have existed for hundreds and sometimes thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So it was created by a man named Randolph Stone. He started out as a 
osteopath, a classic osteopath, and I think mm. a chiropractor. And okay. he hit this point in his career where he made a decision that there had to be more than what he had been trained to do. He, there had to be more ways to help people. And so he did something that I jokingly refer to as his world tour of healing modalities. Like he just went out and researched and experienced everything. And so everything from going to India and experiencing Ayurveda to Chinese medicine to reflexology to the things that he was trained in, even to things like Madame Blavatsky, like, you know, purely psych kind of um, energetic kind of things. And he, out of all of that experience, he built this system that's kind of a combination of a little bit of all of it. So it is body work, and it is mental, emotional communication work and trance work, and it is also energy work or spiritual work, depending on how you how you qualify those things. Gotcha. <clears throat> and uh, let's talk hypnotherapy. Well, hypnotherapy, I mean, people have all had some kind of thought about that, but a lot of them are not super accurate. They they picture the stage in Vegas with like the people and the clucking like the chicken, <laughs> which is not my gig. <laughs> I, I do is know, that stuff real? Um, yes, but it's very carefully selected people. So my hypnotherapy teacher, the the master in this work that I got to learn from. Um, her name is Linda. She is extraordinary, and she has done both clinical hypnotherapy as a therapeutic intervention with people, which is what I do and what she teaches. But she's also done stage hypnosis. And apparently the deal with that is there are some people that just genuinely really do want to get up on stage and have an excuse to cluck like a chicken. And this gives them the permission to do this thing. So are you saying they're acting out? No, no, they're, but they'll allow themselves to be moved into that trance to do that thing. Right. They're willing. That does not feel unsafe to them. Your subconscious is an interesting thing. It has one job. Right. And it's one job is to keep you safe. Now, how it does that and how it perceives of safety can be a really interesting topic because it's kind of figure it's like an eight year old a little bit. Right. Like it's not a it's not making complicated, discerning, layered decisions. It's really black and white. So hypnotherapy can't make you do something that your subconscious thinks is not in your best interest. Hmm. So even when you are under trance, you are still being protected and contained by whatever your subconscious believes is the best thing for you. So if you're the kind of personality that would really love to grab a microphone perhaps and sing to the audience, um, you will that'll be a thing that could happen for you. I, I make this joke because I, I know somebody. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things. So if that's if that's okay, so that's where they pull up like 20 or 20 people or so, and then they weed people out and send them back to the audience, and mm-hmm. they leave themselves with people that they have read will be open to that experience who will go there. Okay. And then that's how that works, or so so I'm told. There are rapid induction methods, those kinds of things. That's not how I'm trained. It's not what I do. I relax people into their trance state. I use a slow, melodious, kind of repetitive voice, and I let them drop down into this very comfortable, safe place. And then you've got this open space where you can make some incredible changes really easily. Yeah. So that's the thing that I love about hypnosis is that it's so efficient. Like mm-hmm. it's just so, it's just so juicy. Okay, so what is a spiritual counselor? What is that different than 
any other type of counseling? Well, my my uh, the document on my wall is an ordination paperwork, right? I'm, like a I'm minister. A, yeah. Okay. I'm, technically, I am a minister. I'm an ordained minister, but my certificate says ordained spiritual counselor, and that actually came out of the years when I was doing Reiki, because technically, legally, Reiki is a no-touch modality. Yeah. But here's a really weird fact that I didn't know it before I knew it. If you are a minister, you are allowed to touch people therapeutically. Right? Like, I'm a little—I I can see so many ways that can go wrong, really. <laughs> Relax, honey. I'm a minister. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, like—I mean, I guess it's nice that you can I'm hug your— parishioners. Like, Maybe you could, like, you know, hug your parishioners in a completely appropriate way. That would be fine. But, I mean, it was interesting. A lot of people who do what I did then, um, and even now, actually— it creates um, <laughs> creates validity around my ability to put my hands on people therapeutically. But functionally, I'm also a minister. I could do a wedding or I could do grief counseling or those kinds of things as well. But I don't have – I did not go to college for that. I don't have a – that kind of – I don't have a therapist, a counselor's degree. I don't have an LSC, LCS. I can't remember what the, what the abbreviation is, but hmm. – LPC, licensed L- professional counselor. That's okay. the that's the college letters that you or the mm-hmm. when you get certified at that. So I, um, when I did massage, you end up, you know, you you become comfortable with your uh, clients and they share things with you. Do your clients sign some type of waiver or anything, especially if you're doing hypnosis with them? Like if you Absolutely. hear something crazy, like I, I know where the bodies are buried, and <laughs> I have a whole intake paperwork in the in the. The last page of that is a whole set of expectations, what they're expected to bring and what I they can expect from me, and also explicit written signed permission that says, yes, I am consenting to receive this treatment. So, yeah, absolutely. So, the last time I spoke with a gentleman who was a counselor like you, he he's, um, deals with more teenagers and whatnot, and I asked him, what happens if you hear something that might be considered dangerous to the person or dangerous to the general public? What kind of obligations are you under to report that, or do you just leave it on the table? So since I'm not a licensed social worker or professional counselor legally, I don't actually have that obligation to report. Now, I have a personal code of ethics that would cause me to need to take some sort of action. So if somebody was a danger to themselves or a danger to others, or I felt like something that was happening is going to be detrimental, I'm going to help them seek help. So here in Arizona, we um, there's a company called Impact does a local suicide prevention and mobile crisis unit, and that's a phone number I always keep handy. Right. So if I had a client in my office and I thought that they couldn't safety plan with me, that I didn't trust that they could keep themselves safe or they needed a higher level of intervention, mm-hmm. then I would I- access that higher professional level of intervention. They could call. I could sit next to them. I could hold the space for them while they do that. Mm-hmm. So requirement depends on whether you're talking about external legal requirement or my own personal requirement. Well, let's say someone was like, you know, um, or maybe they just, you know, I feel like I'm going to hurt somebody and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would, myself. I would want them to, to work with somebody that had that level of training. I have a particular scope of practice and that lies outside of it. I am not qualified to be the only person on that person's team. Mm-hmm. So 
if I have somebody that has that kind of level of stuff, then I want to know that I'm working in conjunction maybe with somebody who can help them access other resources or maybe medication or whatever they need because that's not it's not my thing. Yeah. So what drew you to want to be into hypnotherapy? Did you have a session and you thought it was fascinating or why of all of the things? That's like getting into a whole level of someone's mind. I think the mind is really fascinating. Like I'm one of those kind of geeky people that the crazier, weirder, more interesting something is, like the more turned on I am. Like that's my thing. Like that makes me happy. But what happened is my roommate went to, <laughs> went to Suiha, was doing the hypnotherapy. And when you go through school, then you you need, you know, handy. We're all handy. kitties. Exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you need practice dummies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I was her practice person a little bit. And it was. It was fascinating. And hearing the things that she'd learn in class and hearing the— the studies that have been done and the information about how effective it is, it's like, okay, I've done years of therapy. Yeah. I mean, years of therapy. And I've done EMDR and I've done some other, you know, other modalities. And they were all useful and, mm-hmm. you know, not no, no naysaying at all. And there's an efficiency in hypnotherapy and polarity therapy that doesn't exist in traditional therapy. Mm-hmm. There's a much shorter, like faster turnaround to things, to feeling better. And I did it for me. I'm like, okay, this is this is the because I worked in the medical community for 23 years. I scheduled anesthesia for surgery for a really long time, wow. and um, it was only ever a job. It was just a thing that I fell into, and that's what I did. And they paid me well, and it was fine until I went a little crazy. Like the stress was, I broke, like literally lost it completely. Didn't get off the couch for three months, and at that point, I needed better ways to get better. Because I was on medication and I had been seeing therapists and I it did not seem to really impede the uh, the complete nervous breakdown that I had. <laughs> so I needed something different. And this was that. And it has been like over the last five or six years, my life is utterly different. Yeah. So speaking of your background, go back a little bit. Where are you from? So I was born in Ohio, raised in Michigan. So I am a transplant here, but I've been here since I was 17, which is <clears throat> number of years. No, I'm over 50. So it's a really long time that I've been here, <laughs> but not a native. Um, yeah, I had a pretty typical, normal Midwest Brothers, kind of upbringing. Sisters. Yeah, I have. Um, I had. They've all but one has passed, but I have. I had um, two sisters, two brothers that were older. I was adopted, so I'm 13 oh. years younger, I think, than the youngest okay. of the kids in my family. But I was adopted inside my family, which wasn't nearly as common in the 60s and 70s as yeah. it is now. But uh, so, yeah, it was a it was an interesting upbringing. My parents were a double generation gap up, so I was raised by the people that raised baby boomers, mm-hmm. even though I'm technically just you know just a little bit outside of that window. But uh, no, it was a it was a good way to grow up. We grew up in the in the middle of nowhere on a quarter acre of land with wheat behind us and beside us and deer in the yard in the winter time and you know, and it was quiet. And then we moved to Arizona, and that and was things just got crazy. Huh? Oh, it was not my favorite. Like I I was not a happy camper for a long time. I'm not so good with heat, and yet here I am. Uh, yeah, you've been here for a while. You think you've made a change and did something different. Yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes there's reasons that make it worth it. So when you're doing energy work, how do you um, teach a student or client how to deal with these energy blockages? 
Because I know you, there are things you can do on the table or maybe in a session, but what do you teach them to do when they're not around you? That's a really good question. Um, I'm actually really big into giving people homework. Mm. I want people to have things they can take with them. Okay. I really, I don't want to be one of those practitioners where the only place you get to feel good is on my table. That doesn't seem to be very useful to me. So I'll teach tapping or EFT if you yeah. know if you know yeah. that mm. that uh, that technique and breathing exercises. And my favorite work and probably the core of everything I do now, because I guess it was the core of my recovery, is nervous system work. So mm-hmm. polyvagal theory, if you've heard of that. So yes. the vagus nerve. So I give a lot of exercises that are about strengthening the ventral vagal system, the vagal nerve. And then they go home with those things, and then that helps the stuff they get they do on the table. So I'm not maybe so much teaching them to deal with it under the label of their energy blockages, but I'm teaching them how to keep things flowing and moving in their body and strengthen the parts that are helpful when they're stronger. Mm-hmm. And it comes to the same thing. It, labels are kind of, like I'm one of those, and again, in my industry, there's a lot of really super woo people. And I've got definitely a, a section of me is like that. And then part <laughs> of me loves the scientific articles. Like talk to me about quantum physics and polyvagal theory and you know these kinds of things. And so I like to be right in the middle of those two things so I can give people either set of support, depending on what language they come in speaking. Mm-hmm. I want to meet them where they're at. It's not super helpful to m- insist they come all the way to me. So you mentioned um, while somebody would want to get on the stage and cluck like a chicken, why does someone want to do more of the clinical hypnotherapy? Why, why would why would someone's listening? Why why would that interest them? So the nice thing about clinical hypnotherapy is it's this very specific process. It's about talking to your subconscious, getting it kind of out in front of your conscious mind Mm -hmm. so that you can undo programs that you created that are no longer in your best interest and replace it with better programs. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that question a little bit is if anybody has something going on in their life that's not working and that they'd like to have work better, that's the thing. Right, So people come in for habit change, like they want to change how they eat or their relationship to food, or they want to change their relationship to drinking or cigarettes, um, or maybe they want to change their relationship to mm, codependent behavior and relationship problems that they have repeatedly. Or maybe they have anxiety or depression. I have a ton of, I mean, I think they joke that your client is you five or ten years ago. So I get a wealth of... You were me? You were a black guy in his 40s? I was. Five years ago? That's why you're falling apart and being sick. It's the internal I'm horses. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm a partying. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I get a lot of people with anxiety and depression and a history of codependency and people-pleasing because that was me five or ten years ago. That was how I got to the breakdown. What do you define as a people-pleaser? Hmm... So, if, if I'm going to think of... yelling at me about my gum people at home. Listening. I am. <laughs> I, um, so, if you actually get into the psychology part of things, you yeah. don't really define something as a problem until it's a problem, right? So, you could have a nature that likes to please... I mean, I think we all want approval, right? That's a basic human need. We want to be seen. We want to be approved of. So when that gets to a place where the ways you go about acquiring that or mm, trying to acquire it 
becomes harmful to yourself or disingenuous. Like if you're not authentically yourself because you're trying so hard to be what somebody else wants, well, now you have a problem because now it's screwing up your life. Would you say that goes back to someone's childhood? Some things? I mean, usually. Wanting that approval from maybe their parents or someone they admired, and that just kind of transcended into their adult life? Absolutely. I mean, that's it can certainly be reinforced in later relationships in your life. and But everything in our society is kind of built that way, right? You want the approval of your parents because that's how you get to have at least a little freedom in your life. Mm-hmm. You want the approval of your teachers because good grades gets you treated better and then you don't get whipped when you get home, maybe. Um, <laughs> now, isn't that funny? When if you're, you if you're raised in my generation. Little, now I want to be spanked. That's really weird. <laughs> that would be a really different podcast. <laughs> I know some people. We could talk. <laughs> But not what I do for a living. <laughs> okay, so that's that's a great segue. What do you do if you're on the table and the conversation or whatever you're doing just jumps the shark and goes somewhere else? How do you rein that back in? Like on my show, if someone says something crazy, we just run with it because it's good. <laughs> I mean, a little bit the same thing. I am not that, you know, I am not the guru on the mountain type. I might look like a yoga teacher today and most days because it's comfortable. Yeah. But I'm... I'm pretty irreverent. Like, it actually takes a lot to jump the shark for me. Now, mm-hmm. if I have, um, you know, somebody on my table that's being actually inappropriate or making yeah. me feel unsafe. I mean, honestly, I've never had it happen. I've been in practice for three, four years now, mm-hmm. and that's not come up. I know for massage therapists, it, there's like, that's our whole class. Like, that's a whole thing I've heard really kind of horrifying and freaky stories yeah, in, in that in that arena for sure. stories on both sides. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, I've been very, I mean, you can call it lucky or you can say that I'm putting a vibration out into the universe that isn't bringing me that garbage. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I hope. <laughs> but uh, if it's, if something's a little weird, then I'm probably just going to be really direct about it. Like, Same. it's not unusual for, say, you know, a man to get an erection in the midst of treatment. And that's not about me. It's about energies moving, and sometimes thing happens. I need and I'm you like, to be my lawyer. I'm like, cool. You want Upcoming case. You, you, you want to deal with that? I'm going to be by your feet. Um, you know, it's that, <laughs> kind, it's that kind of scene. <laughs> Gabby said, this is not about you. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's like, as long as they don't want me to do something about it, it's not my problem. <laughs> Right? Like, you know, redre- right. redress, sort that out, and I'll be back. I love it. Would you like a blanket? Maybe a pillow? Wow. You know, it's like, it's, when people are on my table or, or when they're in my chair, when I'm when I'm working with them, in general, the goal is for them to be able to be safe and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And if I pick something like that, which is hugely societally charged, and I give them shame about it, now I have... I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to be allowed to use the, the F word on this show, but I'm, yeah, okay. I'm, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck up the vibe. Right. Like you're not gonna heal with me if you feel judged by me. That's right, right ladies. If a man gets an erection, don't judge him. <laughs> Just don't send that I picture mean, in your inbox. <laughs> I, I think I want to say that there should be some context around that I statement. Really don't. I mean, listen, <laughs> if someone is rubbing you in a sensual way, your body doesn't know that it's it just, this is what I'm supposed to do. The head is supposed to direct your and go, no, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm rubbing somebody in a sensual way, I am not at my job. I just actually, to be clear. And I, I'm glad we're talking. <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird how the universe works. I got um, uh, on Instagram this girl inbox me and she's a sensual massage therapist and she's in Africa and I guess she travels around she has a lot of really big clients 
And she has these videos on her Instagram, and she's naked. Well, she has just a thong on. But, I mean, hers is not really even, it's like a piece of string, pretty much. And she's rubbing all these different people, and she has a, a friend. Is that legal? I mean, not here. I've seen people do stuff like that. I mean, you would know better than I would, right? Like, that would end your life. Well, I haven't been in massage in so long, but it seems to be really popular. Like, I did one time, this was years ago, I, and this was in Vegas. Now, I don't know what Vegas, well, Vegas is Vegas. The rules are probably different, but they have that. Like, you can get a sensual massage, you can get a partner massage. Like, the wife can have a man, and the, the man can have a woman, and these women did not have tops on, and they were using their whole body and... It was supposed to be a big deal. So I was fascinated by this girl. I knew I was going to talk to you today. So I was like, I got to ask her about that. This chick is in South Africa. So I don't know what the rules are over there. Well, and I imagine, too, that, you know, the legality might change by area. But it's certainly not a thing that a licensed professional massage therapist, you know, would do. Like, I'm pretty sure that would be the end of your license. The people doing that are probably more about the sensual and less about the massage a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. I know that one of the things I worked at a spa for three years and did I managed the managed the business, the front end, and um, then had a room where I saw clients. So I like split my time half and half. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I had to learn being in that industry was that that is not a bed; that is a table. Because again, you just you you create these constructs that help people be correct in the environment, right? Like you don't set it up to be, you know. So it was really funny. I had to learn that. Like, nope, nope, you don't ever call those a bed. You're not remaking the bed. You're not turning over the bed. You are turning over the table. Does someone? I've never. I remember. I never. That's kind of weird to say. Well, let me go ahead and get on the bed and get comfortable. Or. Be face up on the bed. That would be some awkward to say that. I guess. Yeah, know, table. table, table every time. Yeah. yeah, and and I don't. None of my work is is unclothed, right? You are you are wearing your clothes when you're on my table. You know what I'm thinking about. No, no. <laughs> but I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> You'll have to tell me later. Yeah, I'll have to tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you? Because I was talking about this, with Laura. Um, kind of off mic a while back. How do you get someone comfortable? I think, because I had a lady do some healing work. This is a friend of mine, and she really believes it, and a lot of people, she's very popular for her energy and healing work. And so she invited me to have a session with her. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably the most open-minded person in the world. And I was there, and I didn't feel a thing. And then she told me, it's because you're just, your mind is blocked to it, and you're just fighting it. Is there, I mean, how do you get someone to open up to some of these foreign ideas? You know, you know, a lot of this stuff is, you know, Eastern medicine versus, right. you know, usually as Americans or Western people, we tend to deal with things more allopathically. Just here's more linear. This, yeah, yeah. Just straight. Take, if you got a headache, take this. Well, it's the thing I said earlier. The thing I need to do is I need to meet people where they're at. So I'm not going to put That's someone like you on my table. Well, I mean, you sure? I have yes. a waiver for you. Here. I mean, honestly, it is. It's actually kind of fantastic. Like, okay. I love that. Like I know. We I'm, warned her on air. I'm, I'm a weirdo. I know this. There's, there's a reason why one of my hashtags is unapologetic freak. That is me for sure. Um, but no, seriously, if you if you can create a connection to your client, if you can what we call form rapport. 
Okay. Or thi- therapists would call it therapeutic um, resonance. Like there's a word in every there, for doctors too. Like there's a whole thing of you can't really help somebody unless you can actually really be with them. So the first thing you want to do is you want to like you know feel connected. How do you develop that with a short time? Let's say my book's one o'clock and it's one twelve fifty five. How do you get that or figure out if you can even work with somebody? Is the first session just you feeling it out? I mean, literally, maybe we'd met for what eight minutes at mm-hmm. the party before yeah. you're like, oh, I think maybe that would be cool to have on my show. Mm-hmm. So how well, do you how do you form a rapport that fast? Well, for me, I'm only I'm asking you because you're, I know if I like somebody in two or three or three seconds by what that's they say, exactly it by their body language, you know, I could tell someone is not comfortable talking and. I don't yeah. think you do the work that I do unless that's a thing that you probably already do. Yeah, but when you go to school. Much. <laughs> Get out of my bed. <laughs> I like people at a like huge distance, like humanity. Love yes. humanity. And yes. I like individual people. And the middle ground is kind of a little muddy for me. Yeah. Like I think like, yeah, I'm a little <laughs> it's it's kind of an interesting relationship. But no, one-on-one with a person, it's about finding those things that are in common or if you want to get woo about it, tuning your field so that your vibrations are similar. But humans are created to do this. This yes. is our greatest strength, right? We have mirror neurons in our brain. We have oxytocin that causes us to want to bond with other people. That's a stress response our body has to help us form teams so that we can survive in the big, nasty world. Because sure. we weren't winning against the saber-tooths and the dinosaurs as individuals, <laughs> no. right? That whole polyvagal theory system comes from the ability to be able to form cohesive teams so we have to be able to bond with each other. Gotcha. So it's not as hard as it sounds because we are we have a biological imperative to do that. Mm-hmm. That being said, some people are more in resonance than others, right? It's easier sometimes than others. I've had had one client that it was like, mm, can't wait for this session to be over. This is this is done. She is not my client. I am not her person. This is not how, how do this you address is that. If they they have an opposite reaction, like, I was wonderful. I went and I signed up again. Well, I, what do you say? That has not happened. I think when <laughs> I think when that exists, that exists on both sides, right? We yeah. didn't we didn't form as close a resonance, or I had to work really hard for it. You start talking politics while you're. Oh no, I do, no, I do not talk <laughs> politics with anyone. No, no, that is painful right now, right? especially. Gosh. But no, it's like it was a it was one of these things that she was not at a place where she was really ready to do the work, and I'm not. It's my job to create a space and to ask the right questions and to give people some tools and some resources and create the right energy around something. Mm-hmm. But you still have to do the heavy lifting. And so, people's healing is theirs. Yeah. So I'm mine. hearing what you're saying is that a person has to be somewhat halfway there to receive the whatever you're giving them. They have to be ready. So, yeah. And so give them what they're ready for, mm-hmm. right? And don't have expectations that they're going to be something they're not or do something they're not. I had a client here recently— he was there because his wife bought him the session. Okay. Right. And that happens sometimes. You'll have parents will bring their adult children or wives will bring husbands or husbands will bring wives. And like, and I just speak to it. I need you to get her under a trance and tell me she's cheating on me. <laughs> that has not, that has not come up. Do you do that kind of work? I, I do have, I have had parents that want their kids to be less d- difficult for them. Uh-huh. I'm like, listen, here's the rule. My client is my client. You're not my client. Mm-hmm. What happens in this room stays in this room. And what they need, you know, what we do is what we do. And unless they give me permission or unless they're in the room, we're not discussing it. 
That's mm. that's the it's it's the same rules a therapist would, would live by. Kind of look to those ethics as a mm, a pattern to follow a little bit because I mm. think that they've spent hundreds of years building those. They must probably know a few things about sure. how to be with that. Um, so there's that, but. Uh, no, sometimes you'll just get somebody and it's like, you just look at them and like, it was not your idea to come here, was it? <laughs> and that's literally what I said. It's like, I get the sense that this was probably not your idea. And once that's out, you can talk about that and you can try to meet them in some place. Like, okay, well, let me talk about the clinical studies a little bit with you. Let me talk about how this is effective, whether or not you feel a thing. Gotcha. Right? And if what you what you feel is, hey, I'm really relaxed after the session, then that's cool. You got a thing. Mm. And if what happened to you is that you saw 15 colors and your dead grandmother and had this whole trip like you had a dream or you felt buzzing or heat or mm, fizzing through your whole body, all of that can happen and has happened on the table with somebody or other, right? Like those are real examples of things that I've heard from people on the table. And some people are not connected to their bodies, that's a whole class of people I'll get in. They're coming because they're disconnected, maybe not clinically dissociated, or sometimes that too, but they're not, they're very in their heads. They're really smart. Maybe they're neurodiverse. Their bodies are this thing they ride around in and they don't really have much to do with them, right? And that's learning to build what we call interoception, the ability to sense what's happening on the inside of your body mm-hmm. is a really critical skill to wellness and growth. And so sometimes what I'm doing with somebody is just giving them this opportunity and these cues that let them begin to sense something. And if they do when they didn't before, that's a huge win. Yeah. Right? So that's that's always kind of interesting too. Is it's watching people move or change. Like that's the thing. It doesn't really matter where you start. You've got to be willing to move. You've got to want something and be willing to show up. Mm-hmm. But then it's about like what's the percentage of change from where you are, not did you get to like Z mm-hmm. if you started on A. Mm-hmm. So how do you approach um, people who come to you with, I really want to change how I feel about food and body image and stuff like that? That's such a fraught area. Like that can mean so many things. So you start by figuring out what it means to them. Okay. Like, is it that they need to meet a certain criteria or is it they need to find peace that those criterias are external and bullshit and not important? You know, so you've got to meet somebody in that place. I don't do a tremendous amount of diet work because I am clearly not the poster child, right? Like, I mean, a little bit, you don't go to somebody for, you're not going to go to a smoker to quit smoking. You're not going to, you're not going to go to somebody who's not, Hmm. how you want to be or how you want to look. A little bit, my job is to be an inspiration, is to say to them, hey, listen, you should have seen the mess I was. And then this is how it can be. So I can tell you you that you can get here. If I was a former smoker, perfect, right. And to be fair, there is significantly less of me today than there used to be. So you could help somebody because— So I could a little bit, Because a lot of times people look at me or go to my— in my industry, male or female, and they don't think you can relate to them because they say where you are now, they don't know that you've had issues with weight and That's eating. That's true. So I don't, I don't know if I always agree with that. I think you <laughs> need someone who's been through it so you could talk, get on their level. Like if someone who's, let's just use the example, someone's really skinny and they were a personal trainer. They've never been overweight. 
they can just tell you all the stuff to do, but they can't really understand what you're going through. You know, they don't understand Accurate. binge eating. They don't understand the body images, you know. Although if they're really sharp, they could talk about having the reverse body images because maybe they don't want to be really skinny, you know. So it's, I don't know. I think that, I think it's about what I've evolved to is really these external issues are really things inside that they're hiding and masking behind. You know, so these, oh, well, this is my job. I worked. And it's all these things. And mm. what I'm doing now is digging so deep. A lot of it's just shit from their past and how they see themselves. Well, one of the things we talk about in polarity um, is that, you know, everything kind of has a charge. Mm. And so everything that happens around you, stuff that happened as a child, something that somebody said to you, your reaction to the magazine pictures you saw when you were 12, whatever that story is, it builds a charge in your system. And... You have to regulate around that charge. Like, we're just trying to survive, all of us, sure. human beings. And so you build ways to regulate. And so maybe my way to regulate involves carbs. Yeah. And then that, Absolutely. you know, and then you get down the road and you have a, a, a bigger situation. So if somebody comes to me, one of the things that I can do with them is I can help them find new ways to regulate. Mm-hmm. And that. When I talk about that there's much less of me today than there used to be, it isn't because of a specific diet program. It's because I am regulated in ways that I didn't used to be regulated. I don't need external regulation things in the same quantity that I did five, six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Right? So just by getting your nervous system in order, everything gets a little easier. It gets easier to do the harder work. It gets easier to make the more difficult decisions. And it gets, like, you just feel better. Like, yeah. it just feels better to be, to not go out of regulation or get stuck in that place. Like, mm-hmm. you've met those people, right? Yeah. That they are so stressed out that they have, like, gone to a 10 and they're just living there. Yeah, and they want to get right into day. the gym. And New Year's, I want to go balls to the wall. I'm like, you're already balls to the walls. We yeah. need to take a step back and not, you know, <laughs> go crazy, you know. Yeah, and the only time they relax is, you know, when they drink heavily or smoke yeah. or whatever it is that they do to to bring themselves down. or they And they take sleeping meds to sleep at night because they can't get down without them. Yeah. So if that person can find better regulation tools and get more control over their own nervous mm-hmm. system, then— Kind of everything works after that. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating how much the mind plays into what's going on with people. Oh, for I sure. I think that's where you become the master. If you can get into that, then you, the solution's easy. And then you can just guide them right to it because they're mm-hmm. answering those questions for you, you know. Because, I don't know, it's it's a lot of, that's why I've really been focused on the mindset for the last couple of years. It's, and the results are way better than just physical. Some people are just physical. If you say, do this, this, it's going to just happen. But so many people are locked in their head, especially when you're getting into 40s and older. That's a lot of stuff you're trying to reprogram. Well, and a lot of us, I mean, for some reason, there's a huge crop of my friends over the last three or four years where a bunch of us have all ended up with adult diagnoses of ADHD. And we all have that same experience. Like, oh, if only I had known this. 20, 30, 40, you know, pick a number. Years ago, what might be different today if I had gotten some help or if I had, you know, if I managed these things differently? Because a lot of those stresses and and dysregulations and terrible self-imagery comes from a lifetime of unmanaged, you know, neurodiversity in a neurotypical world. Mm -hmm. We we take a lot of heat. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it leaves a mark. Mm -hmm. So... How do you, speaking of that, how do you know when the therapy you're doing is too much? Like, um, 
it's too intense. You're bringing out live emotions and it's all over the place and you don't really have control of it. Mm. So again, I'm going to say that's a thing that I have not had happen. Okay. And I believe that's because there's a whole process, we call it titration in the work, where you're, again, if you form a really good relationship with somebody, you can kind of feel things as they build up. And so some people want to have these sort of explosive releases, and some people want to have something very quiet. Mm. My preference is to be kind of, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I want you to have a process that's around hmm, top end five or six. Mm-hmm. And I'd really like you around a three or four. I'd like mm-hmm. it. I'd like you to feel a little bit like maybe nothing happened, mm-hmm. but you just feel better and you don't know why. Like that's my that's my ideal outcome in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But some people really want to lose it on the table. They want to sob and they want to shake and they want to do these things because that feels like something happened for them. Yeah. So again, you're you're going to meet them where they are. You're going to keep them safe and you're going to remind them that they have a choice. Um, I have a, a friend of mine, her phrase, and, I, and I've and i stolen it completely because it's a perfect phrase. Like, this is your process. You mm. get to have it however you want. I like it. So if you want that's it big, really you can have it big, and I'll hold that. I'm not scared. But if you'd like to have it mild, that's a choice, too. And both things get you there. You don't have to do this the hard way. It's fascinating. I don't know about you. I grew up like the do it the hard way girl. <laughs> Right. Like I was always I was kind of that balls to the wall kind of if it if it didn't hurt, nothing must be happening. I'm clearly not working hard enough in our line of work. Yeah. Um, People just think that they have to be excessive or extreme to see progress. And you don't. So part of the the work is just getting them to go. Just calm down. (laughs) Breathe. Just breathe. Let's just breathe. I like I like that you said breathing because that's a big thing. People are teaching people how to do right now is to breathe people don't know how to breathe no nobody almost nobody at least in this country i I can't speak for anywhere else but people people are breathing like from their mid chest up their shoulders move their chest doesn't rise their abdomen doesn't expand i was a singer before i did this people don't breathe through their tummy most americans at least Mm, tell me because aesthetically we're all trying to look good if you breathe through your stomach your stomach appears bigger Fair point. Oh. Yeah, and that starts when you're younger or maybe athletics and now on social media. Mm. <laughs> you can't take a picture with your stomach sticking out, you know. It's people that I was in some um what is that? NLP. NLP and we were talking about why some people are afraid to breathe deep. And it was surprising the guy was like, you know, breathe through your stomach and then people were like, you could see people were literally holding back mm. because they didn't want to appear to have this big distended belly, you know. For their breathing, but yeah, breathing is uh, is a big deal. I, I think that's really good that you're doing that. I grew up know. with a choir director who would throw things at you if you didn't breathe correctly. Mm-hmm. So that so, was that was that was the scarier thing to do than to have a big tummy in 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 my uh, no, in my, I don't mean in my like young a life. physical big tummy, but just but no, but a, like can be very air, uh, not arrogant. What's the word I'm looking for? We're just very vain society. Yeah. Well, scared. I mean, that that vanity, that kind of thing, right, it comes from a fear that you won't be loved, won't be accepted, you'll be cast out of the tribe, and you'll die alone in the desert, (laughs) you know, and I know that sounds funny, but that's, that's kind of the level that your subconscious is working at, right? It's firmly convinced that if you are not included, if you are not part of the group, that you're going to die from exposure Mm -hmm. because there was a time when that was true. It was true when you were an infant, even now, and it was true, you know, in 
early, early human times. Mm-hmm. Like failure to be safely ensconced in the group was a death sentence. Yeah. And our brains are not, they do not make these adaptations fast, right? Our, our wetware is still running the programs built from thousands of years ago. And so yes. we're still convinced that if this person hates us, yeah. that we're dead. And we're reacting like that's true. Our nervous systems are, we're ready to fight the tiger. Mm -hmm. And all it is is that somebody said something snotty. (laughs) But it feels the same to our brains. So tell me the difference between a healing guide versus a healer. Mm. So in my industry, everybody is a healer, Mm -hmm. right? We talk a lot about this at school, actually, Mm -hmm. that it's not accurate. I, I am not healing you. Like, this is not some something where I'm doing something to you. I am holding a space for you to be able to do this for yourself. Your wisdom okay. is your wisdom. Your healing is your healing. Your process is your process. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to make that maybe more possible or less painful or more supported or, you know, more efficient. Like, there's a, there are things that I do for sure. Gotcha. But what I'm not doing is fixing you or healing you or doing it's, – it's not a two. It's a with. Okay. Talk about your uh, your self-titled um, moniker, Freak. What does that mean? Unapologetic that, Freak, yeah. Yeah, what does that mean to the average person? Because everybody who hears that word freak has their own definition of what it means to them. That's probably true. Yeah, a little bit. It's just as simple as kind of always, it's like the ugly duckling story a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was always not quite the same as the people around me okay. in my family and in the world and still today. Like I'm definitely the weirdo in the room, almost always. Um, I'm done apologizing for it. Mm-hmm. I am done trying to be normal and keeping people happy and smoothing shit over. Like I'm done so doing those world things. So now, why do you think you're different? Because you seem pretty normal to me. Well, you know, probably a sign you might also be a little bit of a freak. I'm, I'm fucking way out there. <laughs> I should be quarantined somewhere. You know, it's just that I, why am I a freak? Well, the neurodiversity does not help in the world that we live in, for sure. My brain does not work like everybody's brain. And I'm not offended by things that other people are offended by. I'm going to have a direct conversation with you about things that you're pretty sure you learned the rules where you're, we're never supposed to talk about that. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I don't follow all the little societal rules of staying small and, you know, sweet and all of those things. It's not, it's not my way. And I fought that for a really long time and I eventually, you know, broke myself. <laughs> like that, that breakdown was a accumulation of a lot of things, but not the least of which was, something they call in, in the ADHD or the autism community, masking. Mm. I hadn't had that term before, but that's pretty accurate. But it's that people-pleasing, get along, try to be normal, try to fit in, try not to scare people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I for whatever reason, I've always just tend to scare people a little bit. And I don't think I'm scary, but there are people that I am not their flavor, for sure. Fascinating. So... Um, is there any big events you're doing or any uh, things you want to let the public know about? I have these wonderful brochures here. You do. You have some brochures and a couple gift certificates. So I see clients one-on-one, and I teach classes both. Mm-hmm. 
And actually, I started teaching at Suiha. I got to hold a clinic there here recently. That was really exciting. Is Casey still there? Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's Casey's world. It's her It's her school. Okay. Right? But yeah, no, she's definitely still there. And she's absolutely, you know, the queen mother of, of right. Suiha, for sure. <laughs> That's right. But there's a lot of other people there now, too. It's a lot bigger than, than it started out, for sure. Um but yeah, in the in the polarity department, you have to to teach in the polarity department. You have to be you know vetted and taught by the polarity people to teach in that fashion. And so it was um, incredibly exciting to actually get to do that. It, it, it was it was, was that my pressure first class. being like you're at the school and there's all these aspiring students and teachers. Is there any pressure with that? I mean, I suppose yes, but that just you know that just gets me excited. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I'm just a weirdo. No, it was me. It was it was me and a couple other students that are also in the teaching program, and it was uh, the three of us together had a really great time, and I think the students felt very supported and that everything was good there. So that was fantastic. Okay. So in terms of what's going on in my business at Healing Hawk, um, I have a weeknight class like mm-hmm. every week or two, and it's called a tune up. And it's just a little combination of some gentle movement, some sound and breathing, and then a yoga nidra, which is a guided meditation that gets you to this really deep kind of place, actually really helps release things without a whole lot of interference. Like it's a very gentle, spacious modality. And that's a 90-minute class, and I do that almost every week. And if you go to my Facebook, you can always find, like I put those up there on events. And then the other thing I'm doing is I'm doing a 90-day intensive called um, release, restore, mm-hmm. and um, renew, I think. I, I, what, I'm getting what? it wrong, actually. Those are not the three words, but it's something like that. Okay. The idea is that you can release the stuff from your past or that maybe that's holding you back. Okay. And you can restore your nervous system to a functional place. And uh, reclaim is the last word. You can reclaim your life. You can okay. come back to yourself and you can have what you want. And it's uh, it's eight sessions, and then you get a couple little gifty things. You get a couple free passes to the classes, and then you get an extra little bonus 45-minute mini session on top of the eight full sessions. And they're very—this program has a very specific pattern to it, but it's designed to, to do the things I just said, to really work you through those three places mm-hmm. so that you can get where you're trying to go. And where are you holding this? So my office is in Tempe, so it's at uh, just off the 60 in rural, mm-hmm. so— pretty easy to get to and they're one-on-one sessions and I take about three clients a month for that program it's pretty I have to keep it kind of small because it takes up some space mm-hmm. but uh, yeah it's kind of it's kind of amazing thing and the program it's probably worth fourteen fifteen hundred dollars if you paid for everything individually and the regular price is 11 11 mm-hmm. because you you know, I'm part of that woo-woo community, and, you know, the repeating numbers are a thing. Um, and actually, I was going to say, for the purposes of kind of um, bonusing this little conversation we're having here, that if any of your listeners want to want to book with me or get that particular program with me, say the first six people that sign up that drop your name can get 100 bucks off. Okay. And then here's a question, because this is—we never know who's listening. Can you deal with people— through like Zoom or phone calls or they have to go to you person. <clears throat> so I have this thing in my office that I call my magic table. <laughs> so I can do most of what I do by Zoom. <clears throat> really? Um, hypnotherapy, absolutely. Energy work, believe it or not, does not matter. Again, it's that quantum physics thing. Space and time are all illusions. They're all constructions we've created. So it doesn't actually matter whether I am 
touching you literally or whether I'm 2,000 miles away Mm -hmm. because the universe actually doesn't care. Yeah. So there's that. Um, But the magic table is kind of (laughs) magic. So it has an amateur. I love that you can say that. I can't say that. I couldn't tell someone, (laughs) you made you feed my magic table. (laughs) Well, I used to call it the five therapy table. It was a very, you know, linear Western term. And I don't know. It wasn't, I jokingly referred to it as magic table. And people (laughs) seem to kind of light up more about it. What it is, is it's a, it's a regular massage table, but it has a couple of therapeutic mats on it that add additional things. Mm-hmm. So literally, one of the things you can come to my office to do is just get 30 minutes alone with my table. doesn't even require me. But <laughs> it has— <laughs> So it has an amethyst biomat on it, and that has far infrared. Mm-hmm. So everything you read about infrared therapy in terms of— increased immune system and lowered yeah. stress and the heat feels good yeah. and yeah your things heal faster all of that stuff so it has infrared the infrared moves through a crushed layer of amethyst and tourmaline mm-hmm. so if you buy into the idea of gems creating a therapeutic field that um, also when you put heat through gems they generate negative ions mm-hmm. which are like when people go out walking in nature or like right after a storm why everything feels so like clean and uplifted and sparkly in the world it's that feeling so mm-hmm. you're laying in a field of negative ions and infrared therapy and gem therapy and then there's a sound therapy mat on it too that has speakers that run specific programs one by each ear and then one under your tailbone that's a low frequency speaker mm-hmm. so you get sound therapy some of it's binaural some of it's not but the speakers are close enough that you can actually get effects from binaural effects from them and then the low frequency speaker you feel in your body it's a vibration and it's the same story all the statistics all the research on that shows increased healing increased immune system lowered stress those kinds of things Mm -hmm. so sometimes i just go to my office and lay on my table nice like legitimately so coming to see me in person means you get to have the table sessions on the magic table Mm. over zoom clearly that's not going to happen but there's a lot Almost everything I do, if it doesn't involve the table, it's completely doable remotely. Gotcha. I do like to see people's faces, though. I, I prefer not to do pure telephone sessions for hypno because if the line gets cut off, reaction. I can't tell. Gotcha. And there are signs you're looking for that shows what kind of trance somebody's in, whether you've <laughs> actually gotten them into the right places that you want to have them. And you can see that through physical sign from their body and their facial expression. Fascinating. So I have two questions for you. Uh, so if people want to use your services, where can they find you? So social media, they can look on Facebook. And if you search um, at more joy, less suffering or hashtag more joy, less suffering, you're going to find me. You'll find me probably a little bit on Instagram, more on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I book through a site called Vigaro. So Vigaro.com and then forward slash healing hawk LTD limited. What's the hawk about? Uh, so hawk is my last name. Oh, okay. I'm thinking like the <laughs> hawk. Like a... I mean, a little bit, you know. Okay. So I think that hypnotherapy is kind of an interesting thing, right? Because you're looking at the roots of things, but then you're also looking at maybe kind of the, the bird's eye view of something. Sure. It's about perspective. So there's a little bit, there's a little bit of that in there too. But hmm. yeah, so it's just, just me. Gotcha. All right. And then my second question is, um, how much would it cost to hypnotize her so we can get her to find a different football team, basketball team? Can we get into the deep roots of what that's all about? She'd have to want to. Yeah, Jesus. 
It's, that's that same thing as when people send in their spouses. <laughs> she would be the client. Yeah. I would be working for her. Uh, so if there's a thing she wants to work on, I'm game. But I don't think that that's a thing she's yeah, ready she's to. She's just gotta no. suffer for the rest of her life. With the yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> I feel the same way about carbs. They're not always my friends, but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> carbs are delicious. Carbs are delicious, and I'm a fantastic baker. And oh. so there you are. Okay. You, my, my whole house smells like sugar and flour and fat right now because I <laughs> baked a batch of cookies this morning. <laughs> What kind of cookies did you make? Tea cookies. Tea cookies. Which is kind of, that's kind of a meta name, actually. I think it's kind of funny. They're they're shaped in a way that it makes them easy to dunk. They're not big round cookies. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> but they actually also have tea in them. So they have lady gray tea. They're kind of a shortbread with lady gray tea in them. Wow. And they are fantastic. They're the best. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Gabby. <laughs> this has been fabulous. I've learned quite a bit. and. Um, What's your word for 2023? Practice. Practice? Practice. As in that, like, <clears throat> daily practice. I like it. It's, it's sort of eluded me. Yeah, everyone needs a word that they're going to stick to. What's your word, you know? Yeah, my word last year was potent. Potent. And I, I, I arrived at that, for sure, in lots of ways. Um, and this year, it's about practice. It's about a daily, incremental building of something i like it i like it what's All your right. word my word for this year relentless relentless mm. mm-hmm. that's it relentless going after those goals fantastic well then you'll get there yeah you know a lot of these words kind of overlap because um you got to practice certain things to hit your goals so it's all one in the same a little bit yeah. yeah yeah absolutely all right cool well we appreciate you being on And uh, we will see everybody next week with Fit Over 40. I'm Coach Clarence.